Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hey there, welcome. It's Mike Williams with Genesis. Here you are at uh, Investor Insights. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, Today, we're going to call this one crickets. You know, it's funny, I... Uh, this is a reference my son made to um, to a boring movie one time. I said, what do you think? He said, crickets. And he explained to me that's the term the kids use today when they're sort of describing a period where nothing's going on. You can hear the crickets at night. So I think that's what we could describe the beginning of June here in the markets. Uh, strangely enough, where the market is right now, the Spiders are trading literally less than one and a half percent away from where they were in early December. Now imagine that for a second. And all the stuff that we have worried about for the last six months, the market has moved a grand total of one and a half percent. Many, many fund managers who are used to trading in trends are severely underperforming that. That's, by the way, normal. You can't, you can't move all the positions in a fund overnight every night. So the point is, is that what we're experiencing in the market right now uh, may feel like crickets, as the kids say, but it's really um, a normal process that's unfolding. Uh, I know that doesn't sound all that logical or even very exciting, but unfortunately, that's what crickets means. It's a period of pause. Uh, but here's, here's the bigger picture. You know, you take an overly fearful focus on Greece, still a ridiculous focal point, by the way, uh, to give you an understanding of why Greece is not important. Um, first of all, everybody who claims there's a, f- a severe debt issue risk, uh, that's been so hedged away that I couldn't even imagine anyone really being at risk anymore. Uh, then, of course, you got the dollar, and of course, one week a strong dollar is bad, and then the next week a strong dollar is good, and after that, a weak dollar is bad, and then a weak dollar is good, and then you've got the you know, high oil is bad and low oil is bad. Um, a slow period is good for rates not rising, and then a slow period is bad because, gosh, the world's going to fall off a cliff again. The point, it really is just a, it's like a dog chasing his tail. There's no end in sight. Um, and it's really useless chatter. Uh, but if you if you throw all that together and, of course, mix in the, the media hype that just is as never-ending as the data and also almost as useless, you top that off with the early stages of a summer slowdown, a seasonal point in life every year. Remember that. The summer slowdown is normal because everybody starts taking vacation. Productivity goes down. People are off. You'll notice your emails don't get answered as quickly and things get rather boring if you watch data every day. The sensation, of course, is kind of the opposite of feeling like you're out on a limb. It it compounds the 
the points made in the last podcast, and it makes you certain that you've not only fallen off the limb, but the black hole you're about to fall in is as never-ending as the bad data. But look, here's the thing. We're in a trade range, and we have been for months. The sensation of which way it's going to break out is heavy anticipation. It's, uh, gosh, is it going to go down or up? Uh, Look, for the record, we hope it goes down first. (laughs) Now, Now, if you cringe at that thought, then listen to more of our podcasts. Because the idea is this. Summer doldrums bring opportunity when no one is watching. Why do we say that? Well, if you take a really broad picture of what we have now, we're at record highs. Even as we fear, we are at record highs in the market. So uh, if that's a fact, and of course it's easy to prove to yourself that's a fact, then every single dip before now meant you got an opportunity to buy something cheaper than it is today in general terms. Even if you bought the market index itself, didn't even worry about stocks, didn't worry about Tesla or Gilead or any of the big biotech names or any of the big tech names, didn't worry about any of it. If you just worried about the market and took advantage of all those terrible summer doldrums, you made money every time. So look, uh, today in this podcast, I want to remind you that some of the things I'm going to reference uh, involve charts. Um, I, I use charts at times, and I welcome the opportunity to share those charts with you. They're free. Feel free to send us a quick email. Uh, if you're listening and you have a minute, jot this email down, info at genesisinvestor.com. That's info at genesisinvestor.com. Send us an email. Just call it charts for the crickets podcast or something to that effect and i will make sure you get copies of all the charts we're going to reference because what i'm really going to try to do in this podcast is defray the fears of the quote unquote q1 slowdown um and again i give credit to to a a group we follow uh, a research group they're called calafia beach pundit You can see them on Seeking Alpha, but he does some great charts, and uh, I think they're pretty neat, and they they serve a real good purpose at important periods. So listen, um, like I said earlier, right this minute, we're only about a percent and a half higher than we were in December uh, as this year began, uh, meaning we've pretty much gone nowhere. Before we hit the charts, though, um, I suspect in the months and quarters ahead, what we're going to find out is some of the data that we feed ourselves with are from processes that the Fed reports on that are simply outdated. Uh, You've heard this mentioned in the press a little bit. We've mentioned it for months in our notes. You can't expect an economy that we have today to be properly read, if you will, or projected into the future based on processes and data points used from, I don't know, 60 years ago. Uh, I don't, do you think any part of your life is the same as it was 60 years ago? I, I don't. Uh, so I think we're going to find surprisingly that these pieces of data that we have um, perceived as factual may indeed turn out to be a little bit misleading to the negative side, which means 
it would explain why things like profits are at record highs. Tax revenues are at record highs. Believe me, nobody wants to pay taxes. So if taxes are at record highs because recorded profits are at record highs, then one has to argue whether or not that's all that terrible. Um, one has to put uh, a few grains of salt into the negative reports because, again, I think we may find they're not nearly as negative. Interestingly enough, on that point, just as an aside, uh, crude oil has been one of the recent negative stories. Obviously, the collapse in crude prices was going to take us all down. I, oddly enough, it hasn't taken us down yet. But here's what's interesting. Even as the number of rigs operating in the crude oil business in the United States of America, even as that number has plummeted by half in the last six months as prices collapsed by about the same percentage, you know what's fascinating here is the output of crude oil, the finding and production of crude oil hit a record high last week. Numbers we haven't seen since 1970. Now, think about that for a second. Even as price has plummeted, and even as rig count has fallen, and even as almost every oil-related stock has been clocked, some by as much as 60 or 70 percent, all that value disappeared, yet production of crude oil is at record highs. Interestingly enough, we're going to do a piece next week that explains to you that even as all this tremendous anxiety has been created by the change in crude oil prices, many of the oil companies are finding ways now to realign their organizations where they are profitable at $60 a barrel. Think about that for a second. We did a video piece many months ago in the middle of the crude oil crisis saying in that, exactly that thing. As prices adjust, companies will adjust. Technology will adjust. Things will get cheaper. We will find ourselves finding more oil at cheaper prices. That's what change does. So back to the point here. <clears throat> the latest version of the, uh, or I should say the latest revision of the first quarter GDP report, while negative, it didn't contain any surprises. Uh, it did support the weak tone that was feared in Q1. Uh, the stock market, strangely enough, is still at or above, <laughs> at or in all-time highs. Um, Treasury yields, of course, are close to their all-time lows. And, of course, if you want to know where the risk is, it's, it's in the latter more than it's in the former. Uh, it's a mixed bag, but interestingly enough, it causes a tremendous amount of worry. Um, but I want to note one thing for you. When, you. when you think of all the fear, the worry, the calls for caution, and the confusion that so many are feeling, I want to note for you that none of those emotional characteristics are present at the end of bull markets. In fact, you can't find fear and worry and caution and confusion over risk and hedging and how do I protect myself. You don't find those things at all at the end of bull markets. You, you indeed find the opposite. You find the mention of risk as being foolish. I mean, what? Don't you get it? It's a bull market. It just grows to the sky. Remember, if you think people are too bullish today, 
They were three times as bullish in March of 2000 as they are today. And yet even the NASDAQ has eclipsed that previous record in recent weeks. So remember, today, three out of four people are worried. In March of 2000, one out of four people were worried. So it's quite a shift. So listen, as I, as I pointed out to you earlier, charts are going to help here. But here's what I want to point out to you. Um, the much ballyhooed but relatively small decline in first quarter GDP is hardly more than a blip on the long-term chart. Uh, pictures are worth a million words here, so feel free to email me again to get copies of these charts. But I will tell you this. We are still on trend. We are still exactly where we were before. Not even a inch of difference. Yes, we are below long-term trends. We are below that, but that's what was caused by the 0809 correction. We are at record output. We've never, we've never sold this many goods and services, but the trend of growth is a little bit behind. It'll take us years to catch up to that older trend. I suspect not until Gen Y and even Gen Z, if you will, uh, start taking place in the marketplace at the jobs level where they can have significant impact in productivity and output. That's probably still a few years off, but listen, that's not uh, terrible. Um, here's the deal, though. Over the past two years, GDP has grown at an annualized pace of 2.4%, which is the very same rate of growth that has prevailed for the duration of this current expansion. The key nothing has changed. The real yield on five-year tips, that's the Treasury-protected government bonds, is priced right now as though continued weak economic growth is expected. So nothing will change in the bond market either. Look, weak quarters do happen now and then. You can see a chart of many, many years and multiple times you'll see a quarter dip into the red. Often, we find they are related to some natural event, primarily, as you've heard in recent months, the prevailing cold winters of the last several years. Um, now, here's the deal. Just because you have a bad quarter, they don't necessarily precede recessions, nor do they make recessions more likely. Again, the data proves that over time. It's quite likely that growth will bounce back a bit in the current quarter. Such are the vagaries of GDP accounting. Remember, there's lots of moving pieces. They are updated years back. So it's constantly something that we, you know, you don't give 100% credibility to. After-tax profits continue to grow, and they remain very strong relative to GDP. In fact, here's what's interesting. After-tax profits as a percent of GDP are currently twice as high, now I want you to make this note mentally, twice as high as a percentage as what they averaged during the entire secular bull market between 1982 and 2000. Now, I'm going to repeat that because it is imperative that we get this point. The after-tax profits today in our economy and for much of the last several years 
have been running at rates that are twice as high as the profit margins during the entire secular bull market of 1982 to 2000. Now, I would attest to you that if you go back to those 18 years and you try to find periods where people were moaning and groaning about profit growth, you won't find any. And yet today, we are so filled with fear. We are so worried about every single thing that we could possibly worry about. And yet we are producing profits as compared to GDP, a percent of GDP, that are twice as high as what we saw and were perfectly happy with during the entire 18-year secular bull run between 82 and 2000. Now, both national income and products accounts, that's the NIPA accounting, and the reporting earnings of the S&P 500 are still growing at the same pace. They're both at record highs. Using NIPA after-tax corporate profits as the E in S&P, P&E, <clears throat> and then uh, uh, the P-E ratios, interestingly, are only moderately above their long-term average. The long-term average of P-E ratios since 1960, by the way, the long-term average is 15.7 times. So you can listen to all that garbage about, oh, God, things are too high. For 55 years, the average has been 15.7. Today, it's 16.5. So yes, we are slightly above, slightly above the long-term average. To give you a sense of what it looks like when people are bullish about the stock market, I want to tell you that from 1996 up to 2000, the national average of the PE in the stock market was above 25, and it peaked at almost 40. For the NASDAQ, it peaked at nearly 60. So when you hear that we are above average, take that within the confines of a bigger picture. <laughs> we were at the very same number as we are today from about 86 to about 93. So think about it in that perspective. Where was the stock market from 1986 to about 1993? I can tell you that it ranged from roughly 3,000 to 6,000. And I would tell you again that our profits are multiples higher than they were then. Again, if you want any of these charts, feel free to write me at info at genesisinvestor.com. So look, the history lessons, <clears throat> from history lessons, I should say, we can see that nothing abnormal is happening. What we're suffering from is a, um, a constant and yet very deep series of fears. We're certain that this is all going to end badly because we hear about it nearly every other minute in some headline on some website or on some media outlet. 
<clears throat> the word exuberant is constantly used today, yet three out of four people are afraid of the stock market. The word exuberant is never used in the bond market. We're going to do a special podcast on bonds, but I would attest to you that if you're worried about the next problem, it's not in a stock market that is slightly above average and miles away from peaks in P.E. ratios. It's not in a market that everybody is still afraid of. It's in the market that everybody is comfortable with at record low yields, meaning record high prices. That's the bond market. So someday we're going to have to recognize that rates will rise. It's not going to hurt stocks nearly as much as it's going to hurt bonds. So if we want to worry about where our risk is, we have to look in the right spot. So listen, it's summer. It's the beginning of slow periods. It's seasonal. It's normal. Expect it. Pray for a correction. Pray for another summer doldrum swoon because we'll be able to take advantage of it. And five or six years from now, we will laugh that we were afraid of it again. So as my son says, don't be afraid of the crickets. It's perfectly normal. Look, we hope to see you again soon on the next podcast. Thanks again for your time. Until then, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant. Have a great day, and thanks again for your time.